powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings, because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show! Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy, guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Well, hello there, Duvall Nation. Hey, how's it going? I do love my virtual audience. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show, and for the less perceptive among us, Yes, I am indeed the Derek Duvall, and I am over the moon that you have decided to spend 45 minutes of your day with me again. For my long-time listeners, I treasure your loyalty, and to my newest listeners, or the ones just tuning in for this one episode based on my guest today, I invite you to explore the back catalog. I have been blessed to have some incredible, absolutely amazing people come on the show. This is indeed one of those marquee episodes that I have been super excited to release, and believe me, there are many, many more like this one coming. But today, today is a very special episode in itself. We have, for the first time ever, a college football legend. Joining us today, the former quarterback of the University of Oklahoma and the winner of the 2003 Heisman Trophy, Jason White, is on the show. He was incredibly generous with his time, and we cover his incredible career, his humble origins, injuries, winning the Heisman. Plus, he gives us some absolutely amazing insight into the legend that is Coach Bob Stoops, his thoughts on the University of Oklahoma moving to the SEC, and his thoughts on the NIL discussion. That's name, image, likeness for those of you who don't follow sports. So let's just get right on into it. Please welcome, direct from Tuttle, Oklahoma, the winner of the 2003 Heisman Trophy and Oklahoma Sooners legend, Mr. Jason White. Jason, good evening. Welcome to the show. How has your post-New Year's week been treating you so far? Uh, It's been okay. It's a good start to 2022. I can't complain, so uh, hopefully uh, it'll continue to be that way. How's yours? I can't complain. I would, but who'd listen? So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So I start my interviews off with the same question. Um, how's it been for you to navigate this crazy COVID-19 world so far? And it's been, uh, it's been a challenge. Uh, you know, in the, the business that I'm in, we never took a day off, uh, never missed work or never worked uh, from home, had to continue to go into the office and to navigate those waters of trying to take care of our customers and try to use the precautions. Man, it's been especially in 2020, it was really tough because I think everyone was so fearful of getting it that, I mean, can, uh, customers were canceling left and right uh, of us coming out to do any any work. And so it made it difficult, but I, I think we've kind of uh, narrowed it down to how we can navigate that and, and better serve our customers and, and protect them, you know, from us bringing it into their house and it's just been a lot of change. Uh, now, some of it's been good change, too, that we've realized, like, hey, you know what? This really works well, so we're going to continue to use it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, other than that, I mean, I've actually had it twice. So it's it's been very interesting with that, too. But uh, I'm around a lot of people. I have been this whole time. So it just mm-hmm. kind of 
what my job requires. So fair enough. So I always like to take things back to the beginning. I think that's a great way this place to start. So tell us what's it like growing up in Tuttle, Oklahoma, population 6,000? <laughs> well, back in 1999, the population was definitely not 6,000. Uh, Tuttle has blown up since I left high school. And uh, heck, it's got four-lane highway going through it now. So uh, when I was in high school, there was only two lanes. So it's blown up. But growing up in Tuttle, Man, I couldn't ask for a better town to grow up in. It's it's just one of those towns that you're always you know, you're always being taken care of by your neighbor. And whether that neighbor lives right across the street or whether he lives 20 miles away, you know, it's just one of those towns that everyone looks out from everybody. Uh, it used to be kind of a farming agriculture town, mm-hmm. uh, but it's kind of expanded now, and things are starting to come to Tuttle. Uh, but I love it here. I actually moved back here in 2007 mm-hmm. and you know i always thought that hey you know what once i get out of high school i'm probably going to move somewhere else and have a change of scenery but and i i was out for seven or eight years of tuttle and just realized like hey tuttle's a good place and I, i've been to several other towns and thought hey you know what i'm going to move back to tuttle and then plus the other thing i like about tuttle is everyone treats me like they treated me in high school. You know, it's not, you know, it's not Heisman trophy winner, Jason White, it's just Jason. And I, I like that. Um, and I love the, the accolades and stuff that I was able to accomplish, but just to be treated normal, I like that. And so it played a big role in me moving back to Tuttle. I always had this kind of a mental image. Is it like, you know, you walk into a restaurant and, you know, people are like, hey, how you doing? Or what have you, do they give you like a standing ovation or, no no and that's like i said that's one of the areas that i think i like so much is you know i can go in the store a convenience store in tuttle and someone's going to say hi or how are you doing something like that and no big deal uh now when i'm in oklahoma city or norman or edmond you know i go in a store and you know i might take a picture sign an autograph or you know, something. So, you know, uh, everyone in Tuttle has seen me several times, so I'm kind of old news to them, and uh, that's okay with me. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I wanted to say this before we started. Um, I've been very fortunate. I've had Olympic athletes, I've had gold medal winners. I've had skiers, uh, fencers. You're the first football player I've had on the show in oh, the two right. years I've been doing this. So, yeah, congratulations. Right. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So anyway, that being said about football, uh, did you have any relatives that have any kind of talent that you had in football? Uh, not football. Um, me and my sister kind of uh, joke about it, and but I'm a realist, and I, I'm be the first to admit she was probably the best athlete in the family. Three-sport All-Stater, played softball at Florida State, really good athlete. So mm. our household growing up was one big competition i'm talking even to this day for family events or anything like that the competition level is through the roof between me and my sister and so you know other than her not a whole lot in the family i've got a couple distant relatives that are pretty good at at sports but you know other than that you know just me and my sister fair enough at what age did you discover you were really good at playing football i think ninth grade i actually considered because I had a lot of success young in basketball. And so that's all I ever did. I'd shoot baskets till 12, 1 a.m. in the morning, just 
mm-hmm. you know, because it's a lot easier to do basketball by yourself than football. You know, you can go out in the, the driveway and shoot hoops as long as you want. Now, mm-hmm. throwing a football, you got to have somebody to catch it. So I spent a lot of time playing basketball. And even my ninth grade year, I, I thought to myself, well, maybe I should just focus on basketball. And uh, I had a high school coach, including my dad and my dad, that were like, you're crazy. You, I mean, I, I still remember my dad saying that there's something about your throwing that is special. He's like, I can't tell you what it is because I don't know, but you have a knack for it and you need to continue to, you know, focus on that. And so uh, instead of taking that turn, you know, to go to basketball, I actually started, you know, spending more time doing football. And my high school coach at that age was he pulled me up to play on the varsity team and so you know once that started I I realized like hey you know what football is probably my sport I have a lot more opportunities there and uh, that's kind of where I went I did play basketball all the way through high school uh, and baseball but football was kind of the sport that I felt like I could go for you know farther in Mm -hmm. is it true but I, I read you played three positions in football in high school I played everywhere in fact, there were some games I did not come off the field one time. Wow, um, Iron Man. I, yeah, I was the punter, the kicker, the punt returner, the kick returner, the placeholder or the place kicker, and I played free safety. And so I was on the field pretty much the entire game as long as, you know, it was close. So that being said, obviously you transitioned. Were you always a fan of Oklahoma uh, football or was it – you know, did you have loyalties maybe, you know, in other teams in other states? Uh, you know, my dad growing up, I can remember always listening to the OU games on the radio or watching it on TV. And so I was always a Sooner fan growing up. Now, mm-hmm. they they kind of came on some hard times when I was in high school. And so that, I mean, I still watched them and listened to them and stuff. But it kind of came to the point where I was like, I was realizing like I needed to find a college that I could go to that fits what I'm good at. And that was, you know, kind of a, at that point, uh, you know, sadly enough or oddly enough, it was a, a dual threat quarterback. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. back then before my injuries, I could run decent and throw decent. So I was being recruited as a dual threat quarterback. And so at that time, coach Stoops was not at OU. So my first choice. And in fact, I, I was already heading down there was the uh, University of Miami. Mm. And so I took a recruiting trip there. I loved it. I loved their offense. I loved the offensive coordinator. Me and him really got along and I loved his, his vision. And so that's where I was heading. Heck, I was already wearing a Miami hoodie and a Miami hat. Like that's, that's where I was going because at that time, OU was more focused on kind of a, they were kind of getting back to that option at that time. And so I just didn't want to run the option all the time. I wanted to do both. And so that Miami fit my mold a lot better. And so that's where I was heading. And it wasn't until they announced coach Stoops, it was a Wednesday. And I remember watching the press conference at school and thinking, wow, who's this guy? You know, kind of knew who he was a little bit, but I got home from school that day and my mom, We had a piece of paper by the phone and she would write down the coach's name that called that day. Mm -hmm. And so I got home that day and the first name on the list was 
Coach Stoops, and then she had wrote OU beside it. Hmm. And I was like, wow, I just watched him, you know, on TV, and OU's a school I've always been a fan of. So I called him, and he said his exact words were, hey, Jason, this is Coach Stoops, University of Oklahoma. I understand that you've already kind of made him a, a commitment to the University of Miami, but uh, now that I'm in town, I would like you to, to at least give us a look. You know, this, these are the things we're going to do. And he started talking about that. And he said, you know what? He said, how far is Tuttle from Norman? And I said, well, it's about 45 minutes. Uh, we didn't have the turnpike back then. So mm-hmm. and I said, it's about 45 minutes. And he said, would it be all right if I come out there? And I said, well, what time? And he said, 45 minutes. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> let me ask my mom. And, of course, my mom was always, you know, making sure the house was clean and stuff, especially when coaches came over. And so I said, Mom, is it okay if Coach Stoops comes by tonight? And she said, I mean, she didn't even say anything about cleaning, nothing. And she she said, absolutely, because she wanted me to stay, you know, local. And so he came by, and from the moment he walked in that house, he was so confident in what he was saying. I could see it. Like it all unfolded in front of me. Everything he was saying that he was going to do and he was going to bring OU back to the promised land. And, and so I told him, I said, Hey coach, I have one visit left and I would love to use it at the university of Oklahoma in the next couple of weekends. And he said, that, that would be great. That's all we're asking for is you to give it a shot, you know, see what you think before you make your decision. And sure enough, I, I went a couple weekends later, I visited, I walked the halls that, you know, I can remember as a kid listening to the radio or with my dad, that the names that were being mentioned, like they're on the wall at, at Oklahoma. And so just to walk through those halls and to think all those great athletes that have been through there, you know, once walked these halls, it was just an overwhelming experience. And so after that visit, uh, I had basketball practice on that Sunday. So I left the visit a little bit early. And after practice, I was wore out, so I took a nap. And when I woke up, it was like I made my mind up right then. I remember I walked outside. My mom and dad were on the front porch drinking a glass of tea and smoking. I opened the door. I I stuck my head out there, and I said, I changed my mind. I'm going to go to the University of Oklahoma. And I wish I would have had a camera because their faces were just shocked. (laughs) I mean, they couldn't believe that I changed my mind just because I was dead set on going to Miami. Right. And so they loved it. And they knew that I was serious when I went back in there and I called every coach that recruited me and, you know, told them thank you and told them my plan, you know, to go to Oklahoma. So that's when they knew that, like, wow, he he is serious. Mm-hmm. That's a great story, man. I, I like that. Uh, you were true freshman behind what is now head coach for Tennessee, Josh Heupel. How critical was that first year learning the Sooner program? And I couldn't ask for a better mentor than I got in Josh Heupel. I mean, he's the reason all my success, I would have never known what it took to play at that level without him. I can remember my first summer there, I was struggling like with the, the summer workouts and it was just a lot of demand. I mean, you had summer workouts, you had pass scale, you had one-on-one stuff. I mean, it was just a lot. And I wasn't used to that coming from high school. So there was some adjustment there, but I would always see Josh uh, after, you know, his workout, he would go over by himself and do all these extra drills and all this stuff. And so one day I asked him, I said, Hey, Josh, I said, what do you do over there? 
and he said, well, I'm, I'm doing some quarterback drills to, to get better. And I, I said, uh, well, would you mind if I joined? And he said, well, I don't mind at all. But he said, I'll tell you this, if you are joining and you're going to come, I need to be able to rely on you. So if you miss one day, don't come back. And I said, okay. And so from that point forward, I, I did the extra stuff with him. And I kind of just took that once he graduated and I just continued to do it. In fact, I don't know if they still, they probably don't do it anymore, but it got passed down for like the next six or seven years. And so every quarterback started doing those drills and all those things, you know, to get better. And it all started from Josh Heim. Unfortunately, injury is a ultimate nightmare of any athlete, regardless of the sport. Uh, you've been dealt some pretty serious ones over the years. What inside you drives you to rehabilitate and go back out there knowing it can happen again, maybe even worse? Uh, you know, after the first one, there I didn't have to have the drive. I knew, like, I got a little taste of college football. I got a little taste of living out my dreams. And I wasn't going to let the, you know, the injury stop me from doing that. And so the first one wasn't terrible. Now, I will tell you the first one, I learned a lot. You know, I, I would have never thought that I was going to have a second one. I learned a lot from the first one on, hey, what not to do and what I could do better and things. So the second one was kind of the one that took a lot of inner strength to get through because I just kept asking myself, you know, why? Like I, I less than a year, I tear, you know, both ACLs and like, is this someone telling me like, hey, you're not supposed to be playing football. This isn't the path I, I have for you. Or is this someone saying, you know, this, you know, you need to be doing something else. So I had a lot of questions and it actually uh, took me a couple weeks to actually probably longer than that, but it took me a couple weeks to actually come up with a, a plan, you know, like, hey, I want to actually come back and play uh, because before I was okay with just hanging it up and moving down the road and, and getting my education and, and going to work. But once I got in my head, I had someone kind of turn that around for me. They presented it to me in a different way that I never thought about before. And so this person comes and says, you know, you're, you're doing all these things. You're talking about, you know, why did this happen to me? You know, is this a sign? And he said, have you ever thought maybe this was a test? And I was like, huh, that makes sense. You know, is this a test to see how bad you want to play football? Is this a test to see if you're willing to put in the work? After that, after I got told that, I just, I put everything aside and I said, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to get back on the field. And if I'm not able to do that, if I'm holding the clipboard charting plays, you know, for the next two, three years, then, you know, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And at the end of the day, when I'm 40 years old, I'll be able to look back and say, wow, you know, at least I gave it a shot to play. Absolutely. And so I got back in. I, I remember I walked into the training room after I made that decision. And I, I said, uh, Jim, I, I want to go ahead and do the, the surgery. And I want to, you know, come back and play. So, you know, I had several doctors that were very reluctant about mm -hmm. me coming back to play. You know, in fact, I had some say your chances of playing again are very slim. And so, but I never got that from Jim. He was a, the, an athletic trainer at OU. And so Jim said, hey, you're never going to know unless you try. And so ended up having surgery and, and just started the whole process. And the, the second one, the second rehab was actually easier than the first. Mm. And the, the reason being is I knew what I was, you know, I knew what I had in front of me. I knew what to expect. And I also 
I learned a lot from the first one. You know, the first one, I, I didn't eat real healthy during that time. Uh, there was just a lot of things I learned from the first one, but that made the second one a lot easier. Bob Stoops is practically royalty in Oklahoma. What about him do you admire the most? And take us through some of his coaching process. You know, I think Coach Stoops uh, won just the fact of even recent events of him saying, hey, you know what? I worked my tail off to get this program to where it is. I'm not, you know, I'm going to step in and do what I can to keep things rolling. I mean, that shows a lot about the guy. A lot of coaches could have said, oh, I'm done. I don't want anything to do with it. You know, I'm enjoying my retired life. Uh, so just for him to do that, I mean, that says what kind of person he is and what kind of coach he was. You know, as far as Coach Stoops, he's one of those guys that when you walk into the athletic facilities at OU, he ain't going to ask you how your dad's doing or how your mom's doing or how's your grades, anything. He's not going to ask you that. He's going to ask you, hey, did you watch the film on third and long? Or, you know, what do you think about this coverage? And that's what he's asking. But as soon as you walk out of that building, there's not another word about football. It's more about life. It's more about, hey, how's your grades coming? Or is your mom and dad doing okay? You know, what about your sister? And that's what I always respected about him. And I, I've been on several events with him that, you know, wasn't football related. And we never talked about football. We talked about just life. Mm-hmm. And for him to be able to separate that, he gained a lot of respect from me just because, you know, as a student athlete, your whole life's not football. You still got school. You still got like social life. You still got all that to to manage. And so Coach Stoops made it a little bit easier by showing us like, hey, you can have a life outside of football. It doesn't always have to be football. And so that's one of the, the greatest coaching experiences I've ever had from a coach. We're going to get to the Heisman in a second, but there's a question I have always wanted to know is, when you go to class, do you get people bombarding you, asking you questions, or do they just kind of leave you beat? You know, after the Heisman Trophy, it happened quite a bit. Uh, people would bring stuff to sign in class or mm-hmm. take pictures or whatever. So, I mean, I just came with the territory. Now, pre-Heisman, I mean, it happened a little bit. You know, you could always see, oh, that's the quarterback right there or something. Mm-hmm. But after the Heisman's when it really kind of ramped up into, you know, people bringing a backpack full of, stuff to sign um you know i always thought it was super cool because never in my young years (laughs) did i think that i'd be signing autographs at school you know so but it 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 definitely took a turn after the heisman so when you were announced for the running to be heisman take us through the emotions and the process leading up to the ceremony so how i found out that i was actually running for the heisman was um the SID, Kenny Mossman, who recently just retired the other day, he calls me in his office and I thought I was in trouble. I thought I said something that I wasn't supposed to or something. And uh, he called me in and said, hey, we need to talk. And I said, okay, I can be there in 10 minutes or whatever. He hands me this postcard and it's got my picture on it. And it said white stuff, like W-H-I-T stuff. And I said, what is this? He's like, that's your Heisman campaign. And I said, I kind of laughed, Heisman campaign for what? And then he had to explain to me like, hey, you got to send, you, you know, schools send these postcards out to voters so they can kind of see your stats and this and that. And at that point, I was kind of like, holy cow, like, this is this is real. You know, because I, I would get text messages from buddies like, hey, you're third in the Heisman poll or, 
you know, you're first in the Heisman poll this week or something. And so at that point, it was still kind of a, I don't know, I, I really didn't think about it much. But then after Kenny pulled me in his office and showed me that postcard, and that's when it kind of became real, like, holy cow, this is like really happening. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was unbelievable experience, just the, the whole process of everything and to see how all that works. But definitely one of the, the high points for sure. Do you remember them actually saying your name that you were the winner? Or is it a big blur? No, I remember it very well because uh, when they announced my name, like the first person I looked at was my mom. Mm-hmm. And like the excitement, the look on her face, and, and then, you know, to see my dad, you know, who never gets excited about anything, to see <laughs> the excitement on his face. I mean, that was just like surreal. It was like slow motion, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Like I, I remember them calling my name. And like, it seemed like it took an hour for me to get to the podium. And during that walk, the whole time I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I just won the Heisman Trophy. I need to make sure to thank everybody that's been involved with this. And I need to make sure that this person gets thanked. And I was in shock. I was nervous because I I didn't want to leave anybody out Mm -hmm. that, you know, had helped get me to that place. I never forget sitting in the back room before the Heisman show started and a couple of the guys that were up there, uh, Eli Manning and Larry Fitzgerald, Chris Perry, we we're all kind of sitting around and they're like, oh, did y'all write speeches? And I'm like, no, I said, <laughs> I didn't write a speech. So I, I was not prepared, but you know, what I said that night came from the heart and it was an honor just to, you know, be up there and represent the University of Oklahoma. And then that team, uh, without that team, I wouldn't have been up there for sure. But uh, another thing that happened during that time is I know Billy got some heat for it later and a couple other Heisman's, but the whole time I'm walking to the podium, Billy Sims is yelling Boomer. And like, (laughs) I can hear it, but I'm not sure what to say because I'm trying to think about so many other things. And so finally, when I get up to the podium, I responded with sooner. (laughs) So, uh, but it definitely broke the ice a little bit for me. You know, now it's, it's great just to, you know, call Billy Sims a friend. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. we talk quite a bit, so it, it's pretty neat. It's been a great experience. That's awesome. I have to ask, aside from winning the Heisman, you know, what is your absolute favorite memory of playing for OU? Man, I have so many. You know, I always had goals at the beginning of the season. One of them was winning a Big 12 championship. The other one was winning a national championship. So, you know, in 03, we lost in the Big 12 championship. And that's, that's one of the reasons I came back my in my sixth year was I wanted that I wanted my name because I got to see all the quarterbacks that won Big 12 championships I wanted my name to be up there as well and so to win that game in 2004 like that was special to me that you know that solidified why I came back you know it solidified I wanted my name up there with all those other great quarterbacks as Big 12 champion or Big 8 champion you know in the older days but yeah, I think that probably that. I mean, there's several moments in that my career that I, you know stand out, but I think that one was like one of those ones that were wow, this you know all this happened, you know, and that that was a goal. This is a fun question. Um, we had a couple people uh, wrote in some questions, and I'm sprinkled them in and out. But this is one question that I really found kind of funny: OU versus OSU, one of those time-honored rivalry traditions. Why do you, this is the question they ask, why does Oklahoma always have their number every year with rare exception? Well, they didn't have their number this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, that was fun. But, 
Yeah. But I, I you know, I, I think it's just, uh, it goes back to the program. I think OU has, has rebuilt their program since, you know, 99. And I think OSU's heading in the right direction, to be honest with you. They've got uh, good coaches in place and they're, they're making good moves. Their recruiting's getting better. So, but I think more than anything is, that game was so big because we run into those guys. You know, you run into those guys in the summertime, and it was always, you know, you wanted those bragging rights. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, anytime, that's why the game was always so big. And then, you know, for me, we had got beat by OSU in 2001 and 2002. Mm-hmm. And so for me in 2003, like, that's one game I circled because – the summer before that, I remember at at uh, Lake Eufaula running into a couple OSU players that just let us have it, and we couldn't say nothing. I mean, we just got beat, and so uh, that was an important game for me. And being an Oklahoma kid and growing up watching the Bedlam game, you know, you always wanted to be on top on that game. So mm-hmm. that's what made it special for me was to be a part of it, and you know, come back from two losses and and win the next two years, well, they won several years, but uh, the next two years when I was the starting quarterback, you know, we won. So it it, it is always a a special game for a lot of different reasons. How closely do you follow the student program still? I'm a huge fan now. Uh, You know, I'm not a, not a coach. I'm not a, I'm not a recruiter. I'm not anything but a fan. And so, you know, I watch the game. I stay in, stay in contact with, you know, well coach stoops but you know i i still try to be involved i i go to the games uh when possible so you know i try to still stay involved but i don't spend my time down there you know other than maybe going to watch a game if they were ever to call and say hey we need some help with this or that which they have some marketing stuff um you know i'm i'd be the first one to be there just because you know everything did for me do you have any thoughts on the move to the sec uh, you know, I think it's a double-edged sword. I think that it's something that that needs to be done, I, you know, in order to kind of elevate OU's program uh, to get get in there with those guys. And But I also, I think it's going to help OU financially. I think it's going to help them with recruiting. You know, I think it's going to help with the quality of kids they bring in because they're going to be playing in the spotlight every weekend. And that's a big deal. Uh, for these kids, especially these kids that are wanting to go play in the NFL, you know, they need to be seen. Um, and so I think it'll be good in all aspects there. Now, I think there is some downside to it. And I think Sooner fans don't see this yet. But uh, Monday night, oh, you would have not fend well against either one of those teams that played Monday night. And so I think the competition level is going to raise to where it's every weekend you're playing a strong opponent. There's no uh, poor teams. Right. You're not going to have any blowouts. And so I think Sooner fans are going to have to get used to, you might lose a couple, yeah. you know, you might lose a couple, but that's not going to get you out of the national championship picture. Yeah. And so Sooner fans are going get, to get used to that. They're going to have to get used to not winning the SEC championship every single year, yeah. like they do in the big 12. So I think yeah. there's going to be some, you know, some eye-opening things that happen, but I also think it's it's needed unless the Big 12 is going to try to change some things. Now, I do think the Big 12 is head, headed in the right direction. It's it's actually starting to get away from the the past happy offenses and 
and people are starting to get back into, you know, the run, you know, running the ball a little bit. But I just think the SEC is so far, you know, that's just the, the conference. That's mm-hmm. where all kids want to go play. Uh, I talked again, I talked to some of my listeners and they wrote in some good questions and I talked to you about this beforehand. So I want to make sure it was okay that we talked about this, but uh, we would love to get your take on the name image likeness conversation. And the follow-up to that question is, do you think the transfer portal has exploded because of top tier athletes exploring their options based on how much they can make? Yeah. um, So I'm a, uh, I'm definitely all for the NIL. I think it's a great thing. I think it's going to help kids tremendously. I mean, I know players that were sleeping in their car, and I know players that would get their monthly check from the school for their scholarship, and they would mail it home to their mom because their mom, you know, depended on that. And so I think it's a definite need. Now, the way that it is set up right now, I do not think it's healthy. I don't think it's healthy for college football. In all reality, college football has turned into NFL, and it's kind of the Wild West because in the NFL, you have a quarterback that has a five-year contract. Well, if he wants out of that contract, he's going to have to request a trade or, you know, the team can actually keep him through five years. And in college, there's there's no contract. If you're not happy and you want to leave or you're not getting the NIL deals that you think you should be getting. All you have to do is go in the portal. And I just think it's turning into the wild west. Now I do think, you know, kind of my thought process on the NIL deal was everybody gets a piece, you know, every player on the team gets, gets something. So whether that, Hey, freshmen, you get this much money, sophomores, you get this much more juniors, you get this much more seniors, you get the top tier of this. And then, if you graduate college, then you're going to get a $20,000 bonus or something. And I think that that right there would help with that. Because right now, I think the NIL is creating division in the locker room between players because you're going to have some players that feel that, why is he getting all the money? You know, we're a team. And you got one person that's, you know, signed a $500,000 NIL deal. And he's the quarterback. Well, what about his linemen? Those guys aren't going to get that same opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think there's a lot of fixing to do. Now, with the transfer portal, I think it's a good thing because sometimes you just make a bad choice and you're not happy where you're at. But I only think you should be a, allowed to transfer once. Mm-hmm. I think it's one and done. So if you didn't get it right the first time, you, here's your opportunity to go somewhere else. But that's it. You can't transfer ever again. And so I, I think there's a lot of fixing that needs to be done in that department. And mm-hmm. I really hope that they they get to it because I feel like, you know, some of these kids are chasing the money mm-hmm. instead of the the program. And so it's almost like some of these guys are getting on there and saying, hey, I'm going, you know, I'm entering the portal in hopes that these other schools, somebody will call them and say, hey, if you come to you know, if you come to OU, well, we're, we've got, you know, $200,000 NIL deal set up for you. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think it's turning into a Wild West show where it's, you know, whoever's got the most money or, you know, whatever school has the the biggest boosters. Uh, and I don't think that that's, that's good for college football. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing about 
you know, I do think that, you know, the NIL is a great deal, but it's also got to come with some sort of, just like when I said, hey, you know what, freshmen get this amount of money. Well, if you do that, you know, now that freshman who's an 18-year-old kid getting money, that's going to help these kids manage money. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of a lot of guys that go to the NFL from college, like that's one of the areas that they've never been taught. They never ta- they was never taught how to manage money. They were never taught they had to pay taxes. You know, there's a lot of that that goes on. So with all this, I think you have to do it right. And whether that's in your freshman orientation, you take some sort of like life class where you learn those things. You know, I, I do think it could benefit some people to, you know, to learn to manage money when you're 18 years old. That's that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Tell us about uh, what it was like to be named to the Oklahoma Sports Hall of Fame, joining the likes of Troy Aikman, Brian Bosworth, Gundy, and Jim Thorpe. Oh, it's uh, it's truly an honor. Um, and I, like I said, growing up in Oklahoma, you know, knowing who those guys are, watching Troy Aikman or, you know, watching yeah, any of those, uh, anybody in the, the Hall of Fame, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, you know, it's an honor uh, to think that, Wow, you know, I can remember when Troy Aikman got inducted and reading about it and this and that, and now I'm actually a part of that. I mean, that's that's huge. And so for an Oklahoma kid to be honored that way, I mean, you couldn't ask for any more. One question uh, we did, someone did ask right in, and again, like you said, you've had some pretty serious injuries in your career. How do you feel these days? And, you know, what steps do you do to take care of yourself? Uh, you know, I, I still have some problems with some injuries that I had from college, uh, but I just try to stay active. I, I've noticed that when I'm not active and I, you know, I go into not working out for a couple weeks and not eating the best, I, those aches and pains are a lot worse just because there's no, you know, strength around them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I try to stay active and, you know, besides setting down for extreme long period of time you know that's that's really the only time I you know I have to (laughs) it takes a minute for me to get going because my (laughs) knee kind of locks up but right uh, once I get going you know it's okay Uh, but you know I I had a lot of injuries and you know I'm sure that the older I get the the worse they're going to get but I get that question all the time is would you do it again if if someone said you can go back and and do this again injury free or I I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't trade anything because the story that comes from my, my career, I think, uh, has helped people. And I think it'll continue to help people to realize like, Hey, you can overcome these obstacles. Uh, you just gotta, you, you know, stay at it, work hard. Mm-hmm. And so being able to, to share that message and share, you know, my story. And if, even if you're in a thousand people in the room, and only one person acts, you touch one person with that story and they change their life because of, well, I, I'm good with that. And so um, just to be able to do that, you know, is great. Uh, that being said, do you think the sport is safer than when you were playing it to where it is now? I do. You know, back when I was playing, they were actually getting into that concussion thing. In fact, I had a concussion little monitor in my helmet in 2003. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to kind of see those changes and, you know, to kind of protect the players, I, I think it's great. But I also think that some of them are, 
I don't know, hurting the game a little bit, just like the, you know, the way that kids tackle nowadays, it's, it's just different. And so, you know, for me, it's, uh, I understand that they're concerned and things like that, but I also think that, you know, you can't penalize these defensive players sometimes when if the running back lowers his head and, you know, you're trying to put your shoulder down, well, sometimes you just hit each other. I mean, it's not done on purpose. You're just trying to tackle the guy. And so, you know, some of those things are are tough. So anybody in Tulsa knows your appearance in the Air Comfort Solutions commercials. How did that partnership come about? Uh, You know, it was actually just a random phone call one day back in 2007 from a guy at the sports analyst. And he said, hey, I have a client that's looking for a guy to do a couple radio commercials. And I said, well, who is it? And he told me. So uh, I checked into the company and then I met with the owner and said, yeah, let's do it. And it was only a three-month contract. It wasn't nothing crazy. And so but the it turned into a career. You know, it actually went from just doing some advertising to now, you know, I'm the sales manager for the company and it's been a great partnership. That's awesome. What does the future hold for Jason White? As of right now, I'm uh, just continuing to, you know, raise the kids, to watch them grow, you know, enjoy watching them play sports. And, you know, that's uh, just kind of living life. So as we wind down this interview, uh, what's the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? Well, of course, I have uh, Instagram and uh, also I got Twitter. You know, those are only two that I really uh, have. Mainly use Twitter for most things, but yeah. are you, you know, pretty active on there? Uh, you know, I I I kick in every now and then. I I don't. I'm not a kid every single day. I mean, I, <laughs> I kind of you know get on there every now and then. So, yeah. uh, but you know, I enjoy I enjoy it. I enjoy reading you know some of the stories and comments, and you know, it's also a good news outlet too. I mean, you you get news right away. And yeah. so, you know, I enjoy that as well, but I'm just, you know, I'm at that age of, I'm kind of in between the social media age where, you know, it's good to know how to use it. And it's good to use, but you know, these younger kids are like, they live by it uh, where if I didn't have it, I don't think I'd really care. As I end my interviews, I ask my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of earth? I think I would tell them to love unconditionally and hug their mom. That's nice. I like that. Jason, thanks for taking the time to come on this evening. Like I said, I've had great athletes on before, but you're the first football player, so congrats. This has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, and I I wish you nothing but the best of luck to you. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And just like that, we come to the end of Episode 39 of the Derek Duvall Show. I want to thank... My amazing guest, Jason White, for taking the time to come on the show today. This has been an absolute pleasure and definitely one for the books. We'll be back very soon with another interview featuring an incredible and extraordinary person. We are blasting through the backlog, and I promise it will be worth it. Like I mentioned on the last episode, I'm looking through the Google Drive, and there are some absolute legendary episodes waiting to be released. Stay tuned for a new episode coming very soon. We are getting a lot of responses to the show that we need a bigger presence on the old Instagram. Now, let me be the first to tell you, we are aware and we are working on it. 
while it's true that we are mostly on Twitter, as we feel it's the best way for us to be able to positively engage with our audience on a regular basis, we are going to start making an effort to post more and engage more on the gram, as I'm told kids call it now. So if you haven't started following us, we are on Instagram at Derek Duvall Show. I want to give a shout out real quick to all who donated to the Tulsa SPCA for the Betty White Challenge. Your dollars went to a very great cause that is near and dear to mine and my wife's heart. I read yesterday that altogether over $12.5 million was raised for shelters and groups here in the United States. That's amazing, and it hit me right in the feels. I want to end on that positive note. So on behalf of the entire team here at The Derek Duvall Show, I want to say to each and every one of you, be safe, be humble, and you know what? Take a page out of Dalton's book. Be nice. No star, God bless, and see you very soon, planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.